first, based on a substantial body of experimental evidence, we can state with a high degree of confidence that real magic exists. Second, there are rising trends in science, suggesting that what was once called magic is poised to evolve into a new scientific discipline, just as medieval astrology and alchemy evolved into today's astronomy and chemistry. This new discipline will be the study of psychophysical nature of reality, that mysterious interstitial space shimmering between mind and matter. 64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Welcome to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. My name is Igor S.F. Walker. Today we look at real magic, ancient wisdom, modern science, and a guide to the secret power of the universe by Dean Radden, Ph.D. So how about you slow down and relax? Reduce all that noise for just a bit. Make that choice and decide to listen. In this video we take a scientific approach to magic. Can it be tested via the scientific method? Can the results obtained be recreated by anyone? The goal here is to explore real magic from an evidence-based scientific perspective and Real magic falls into three categories. Mental influence of the physical world, perception of events distant in space or time, and interactions with non-physical entities. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I have in use that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need, is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. Magic. M-A-G-I-C. Occultists sometimes use the old English spelling with the K in the end to distinguish fictional and stage magic from the real deal. So, not the fictional magic of Harry Potter, the famed magic of Harry Houdini, or the fraudulent magic of con artists, not blue lightning bolts springing from the fingerprints, or aerial combat on broomsticks, sleigh of hand tricks, or any of the other elaborations of artistic license and special effects. This is about real magic. The first type of magic we will call force of will. It's associated with spell casting and other techniques meant to intentionally influence events or actions. 
The second is divination, seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by what are considered supernatural means. And the third is uh, God work. It involves methods for invoking and communicating with spirits. The six classes of scientific experiments with overall strong positive evidence are telepathy, specifically an experimental protocol called the Gansfeld for testing the existence of conscious telepathic impressions between pairs of isolated people. This experiment it has been repeated by dozens of investigators around the world for four decades, including by skeptics who to their consternation and surprise successfully replicated the effect. Second remote viewing otherwise known as clairvoyance and precognition, a method for testing perception that transcends space or time. Presentment, a technique for measuring unconscious psychological reactions to future events. Implicit precognition, a test that measures future influences on present time behavior. This type of study was popularized by Cornell University's psychologist Daryl Bem. Random Number Generators RNGs, a laboratory protocol used to test if mental intention affects the output of random physical systems. This is a more refined version of the older test involved tossed dice. And Global Consciousness Project a worldwide version of an RNG experiment where the outputs of RNGs located around the world are compared against long-term baselines during events of major global interests, example, terrorist attacks. Now, this experiment differs from the previous five because it doesn't involve individual studies in the laboratory, but rather is a global experiment, including everyone. And after collecting 500 worldwide events, which took 18 years because fortunately major worldwide events do not happen very often, the experiment has achieved an overall result above seven sigma. Other classes of studies that haven't reached the six sigma level yet, but may do so after enough data has been collected, include experiments investigating the effects of distant mental influence on human psychology and behavior. Cornell University's psychologist Daryl Ben uncovers the dirty secret of anomalous phenomena like telepathy and clairvoyance. They have been demonstrated dozens of times, often by reputable scientists. Ben is an extremely well-respected psychologist, best known for his work on self-perception. Why then? Do serious scientists dismiss the possibility of psi, P-S-Y, I? Why do rational people assume that parapsychology is actually bullshit? Ben's paper is so important. It provides the first testable framework for the investigation of anomalous psychological properties. Unlike most tests for 
Psy or ESP, extrasensory perception. His research builds upon well-known experimental paradigms and minimizes the contact between the experimenter and the subject. The data collection is automated and accurate. And then paper past peer review. Beyond all the gnashing of teeth and lamenting controversies in science, ultimately rest on a single question. Can independent researchers successfully replicate the effort? Reality, viewed through the lens of science, is an exceedingly thin slice of the whole shebang. Science is tightly focused on the objective, measurable, physical world. Now that focus excludes the one and only thing you can never know for sure. Your consciousness, that inner spark of the sentience that you call me. One of the consequences of taking this inner perspective is that the idea of magic transforms from an impossible fantasy into an aspect of nature that we can begin to study. Magic is still intensely present. Prayer is a form of intentional magic, a mental act intended to affect the world in some way. Wearing a sacred symbol is a form of uh, sympathetic magic, a symbolic correspondence said to transcend time and space. Many religious rituals are forms of ancient ceremonial magic. The abundance of popular books on the power of affirmations and positive thinking are all based on an age-old magical principle. Magic doesn't mean no cause. It just means that we haven't yet developed scientifically acceptable theories to explain these effects. Some folks, especially those who subscribe to a religious faith, may recoil from the idea of spell casting. Many traditional religions teach that magic and witchcraft are fundamentally demonic and evil. But the way magic is used is completely up to the magician. The power itself, like any fundamental force of the universe, is morally neutral. Atomic fission and fusion are just aspects of the way the physical world works. Questions of morality arise when we use such natural phenomena to create weapons. Magical power intended to manipulate or exploit others is called black magic. Is it possible to study magic using scientific principles and methods? What does the evidence tell us about the reality of magic? And are there any hints within today's science that tell us how magic works? PSI, psi experiences, have been labeled telepathy, images or emotions shared between minds separated by distance. Clairvoyance, perception of distant events or images. Precognition, perception of distant events or images through time. And psychokinesis, influence of distant systems via mental intention. 
these topics are studied within the discipline known as parapsychology. The upshot of the social taboo is that mo most academic scientists avoid parapsychology as though it was a violent strain of a zombie plague. If they are secretly interested in Psy, and many of them are, they first swear everyone to secrecy, then they approach it slowly while wearing a full hazmat suit with multiple alibis set up in advance to provide plausible deniability. Now this is a pity because parapsychology involves the application of orthodox scientific and scholarly methods to a class of commonly reported but as yet poorly understood human experiences. That's all it is. The topics studied might give some people allergic fits, but the methods used are transparent and completely orthodox. Because of what parapsychologists actually do, as compared to what some imagine that they do, the International Organization of Academic Parapsychologists, called the Parapsychological Association, was actually elected as an affiliate of the largest mainstream scientific organization in the world, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, AAAS. The aims of this association, using the tools of science and scholarship to rigorously explore the strange yet commonly reported experiences we call psi, were completely in accord with the highest aspirations of science. The fact is that telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition and psychokinetic effects have all been independently repeated in laboratories around the world. The magnitude of an effect is irrelevant if you are interested in whether the effect exists. Both psi and magic refer to the same underlying consciousness-related phenomena. Both are marginalized from the scientific mainstream. Both are labeled as demonic by orthodox religions. Both saturate popular entertainment and both are perennially popular in scholarly fields, but not if the phenomena are presented as real. The bottom line is this. Number one, practically all conventional academic books and articles that do mention psi or magic discuss them as mistaken beliefs, delusions, or aspects of ancient history. Number two, the literature on psi research ignores magic. And number three, the literature on magic ignores psi. That's a strange state of affairs. The promise of magical powers also is seductive, especially to those who are told to avoid it. Faced with perfectly rational fears, we naturally repress the idea of magic. If we deny that there are monsters under the bed, maybe they will go away.
the marginalization of magic has been so thorough that until this late 20th century scholars scrupulously avoided talking about esoteric topics as though they didn't even exist. Anthropologists too regarded magic as so obviously idiotic that it was actually erased from the curriculum given such prejudice. It's not surprising that academic interest in esoteric studies has evolved at a snail's pace. Anthropologists were actually eager to distinguish themselves from the uneducated, meaning scientifically illiterate masses. So magic soon became associated with the belief of savages or the lower races. It was certainly not the sort of thinking that learned men and women should accept. We know academia currently treats magic as the result of primitive superstition or magical thinking. So how did it come to pass that despite this, throughout all of human history, a belief in magic appears in every recorded culture on this planet? In the last 150 years, scientists have come to treat it as not real. The simple answer is magic did not fit our mechanistic view of reality so it needed to be abandoned. The religion-magic relationship is actually more complex than science-technology connection because there are two major categories of magic, supernatural and natural. Initially, everything was considered to be supernatural because our earliest ancestors had no idea about how anything worked. So they naturally attributed everything to the invisible supernatural causes, meaning above and beyond the natural world, the divine to one or more gods. Then someone noticed that there are aspects of nature that are predictable, the movements of sun and the stars, healing qualities of certain muds and plants. And that realization sparked interest in visible, here and now, human-centric, natural magic. Supernatural magic was eventually adopted by religion, and natural magic split into two branches, the exoteric, physical world, and the esoteric, inner mental world. The esoteric branch evolved into today's science. The esoteric branch is where magic has been hiding. Natural magic evolved into science as refined methods and technologies were developed to allow us to control natural forces like electricity and to perceive beyond the common senses as with the microscope. <clears throat> to give you a feeling for two central ideas. First, that esoteric ideas have been vigorously suppressed in the Western world for at least a thousand years. And then second, the esoteric worldview provides hints for why magic works. Hermetic cosmology contended that reality consists of a single universal consciousness, known by many names, 
the one mind, the divine, the Tao, Brahman, Allah, God, source, and so on. Now, to avoid religious connotations to these terms, let's refer to this concept as consciousness with the big C, capital C in Hermeticism. Capital C, big C, consciousness, appears in two complementary aspects, like the two sides of the same coin. One form is manifested primordial plastic energy sometimes referred to as within the alchemical traditions as the one thing the other form is non-manifested transcendent element known as the one mind one thing reacts to and is shaped by the one mind because the capital C is beyond human comprehension so it's just described in these two forms that are easier to grasp. That is that one mind only has the appearance of being different from the one thing. Similarly, personal consciousness, a small letter C, is not separate from the physical world. In other words, from the hermetic perspective, reality is not just physical, it is psychophysical. This interaction is commonly studied in the form of mind-body connections within the mainstream scientific disciplines of psychoneuroimmunology, psychophysiology, and the neurosciences. It also is the basis of psychosomatic medicine, as well as the placebo effect. But when small letters see personal consciousness influences the physical world outside of the body, which it can do because small letter C personal consciousness has properties similar to the capital letter C, the universal consciousness, then that's called magic. We have godlike abilities because small C is a part of big C. And as a result, from the hermeticist's perspective, there were no special benefits conferred to by following someone else's dogma because each of us could achieve enlightenment on our own. As you may imagine, such insolence was unacceptable to the church and it applied its well-honed strategy for maintaining control and like Neoplatonism and Gnosticism, Hermeticism was forced to go underground. Legendary origins in secret fraternities have always stimulated the imagination because they do suggest that the never-ending chaos in the human affairs is not random, but is under control by someone or some group somewhere. We would all like to know who's at the steering wheel, but even if we do not know, the identity of the driver, there is still some comfort in the belief that at least someone is driving the bus. Even Einstein didn't like it when he was confronted with the idea from the quantum theory that uncertainty rules the universe. He refused to believe it, responding with his famous quote, God does not play dice with the universe. Albert Einstein. Now, major personality in the history of science was Sir Isaac Newton, 1642-1727. It is less well known that Newton also played a key role 
in the history of esotericism where he is referred to as not as the first of the age of reason but the last of the magicians because he was the single most scientist of the day for many years Newton's official biographies did not even mention the fact that he spent more time studying alchemy and other esoteric subjects than he did physics or mathematics Mesmer's idea were explored in his 1766 doctoral dissertation, The Influence of the Planets on the Human Body, in which, inspired by the idea of the universal gravitation, he proposed the existence of an invisible universal fluid. This fluid was said to flow continuously everywhere. It also served as a means by which the planets, the Earth, and all living creatures interacted. Mesmer's idea was similar to Paracelsus's cosmic fluid or the yogic concept of prana, the Chinese chi or ki, the Lakuta tribes, Vakan, the Greek philosophers Pythagoras, Numa, Austrian psychotherapist William Reich's Orgon, and so on. The concept of a living or a vital force permeates the esoteric traditions. Levi, 1810 to 1875, played an important role in the modern revival of magic. Levi's synthesis of the Western magical tradition echoed to the perennial philosophy. Levi proposed that humans are a microcosm of the universe and that there are sympathies or correspondences between the lower physical world and the higher metaphysical or spiritual world. The correspondences allow the magician to exercise her powers through rituals like Kabbalistic incantations, use of talismans, or by simply focusing on magical symbols. Many prominent scientists and philosophers of the day, including William James, Sir William Crookes, Sir Oliver Large, and Lord Reli, became members of the Society for Psychical Research, SPR, founded in London in 1882. The SPR remains a vital organization in the 21st century. Its peer-reviewed academic journals report an unbroken line of scientific studies about psychic phenomena and it is also online it has its online encyclopedia launched in 2016 and it's a valuable resource for those interested in learning more about psi research some other important contributors to modern esoteric thought austrian philosopher and mystic rudolf steiner 1861 to 1925 Greek-Armenian spiritual teacher and a mystic George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, 1866-1994. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Gustav Jung, 1875-1961, just to name a few. Jung's symbolic analysis of alchemy, his concept of synchronicity, his dialogues about the relationships between mind and matter, what quantum physicist Wolfgang Pauli 
and his long fascination with mythological and archetypal influences all countered the scientific trend towards disenchanting the world. Now, after some centuries of neglect, advanced minds are turning their attention to magic once more. It used to be said that magic was what we had before science was properly organized. It now seems that magic is where science is actually heading. Enlightened anthropology has gradually admitted that beneath all the ritual and mumbo-jumbo of so-called primitive culture, there does exist a very real and awesome power that cannot be explained away. In this new aeon, the trust of magical endeavor is toward making the actual experimental techniques work, regardless of their religious or symbolic associations. The techniques of magic will be the new hyper-science of the future. Science has brought us power and ideas, but not the wisdom or the responsibility to handle them. The next great advance that humanity will make will be into the psychic domain. Your thoughts, studied, will let you see where you are going. They point clearly to the nature of physical events. What exists physically exists first in thoughts and in feelings. There is no other rule. Matter is formed by those inner qualities that give it vitality, that structure follows expectation, that matter at any time can be completely changed by the activation of the creative faculties inherent in all of consciousness. The essence of magic boils down to the application of two ordinary mental skills, attention and in intention. The strength of the magical outcome is modulated by four factors. Belief, imagination, emotion and clarity. That's basically it. The single most important aid to developing magical skills is to learn how to enter the state of consciousness known as Gnosis. The time-honored and safest way to do it is through meditation. The bottom line, if you want to perform magic effectively, maintain a disciplined meditation practice. Learn to quiet your mind. See the world as it is, not as it appears to be when viewed through multiple layers of cultural conditioning. Does this really work? In my personal experience in life and the experiences seen in the lab, yes, it does. Not every time and not always with great fanfare, but it works often enough to raise an eyebrow. What is going on? In life, the desired outcome usually manifests in the form of a meaningful synchronicity. In laboratory study, it manifests as a statistically significant test of the hypothesis. And the key element in both cases are focused intention, 
an openness to the idea that the desired outcome has already been achieved. And then a very clear goal. Factors involved in enhancing remote viewing performance or improving divination skills of any sort were studied by parapsychologist White in the 60s, Rhea. She focused on reports by individuals who had consistently demonstrated high-level psi performance, extrasensory, to see if there are any similarities, and she found a number of them. Number one, relax. Achieve a state of deep physical relaxation. Number two, stabilize the mind. Meditation may be helpful and encouraging with some adepts referred to as the blank mental screen, or what a magician might call the initial stages of achieving Gnosis. The goal is to avoid mind-wandering. Number three, direct the mind. After achieving a period of mental stability, ask yourself, what's the target? The idea is to direct the mind, which at this point should be in a calm, blank, or idling mode so it can focus without distraction on the task at hand. Number four, wait with expectation. To explain this, White recounted a metaphor of the winding of a toy top as a preliminary to its spinning. That is, don't just wait passively, create a sense of tension, of belief, of excitement that the information will arrive. Be patient and do not force this. And number five, look for a feeling of conviction to help discriminate between mind-generated fantasies and acquisition of genuine information. You may notice that when the impression is correct, it is accompanied by a strong feeling of conviction or by a burst of joy or vividness or certainty. Now, in today's fast-paced world, we want instant results. Five steps times 30 seconds, that's two and a half minutes. Who has that kind of time to spare? Why is it that when we talk to God, it's called praying, but if God talks back, it's called schizophrenia. The only way to discover the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible. Arthur C. Clarke. I am confident that the dismissive, skeptical opinion is wrong. In my opinion, the primary reason for the continuing uncertainty is due to assumptions about the nature of reality that are formalized within the scientific worldview. If one completely accepts today's worldview as inviolate or absolute, then the strength and the quality of the evidence for psi or anything else simply doesn't matter. The phenomena are considered impossible, and that's that. Science is dispassionately rational and evidence-based. Science certainly aspires to be driven by evidence, but as in any domain of human affairs, 
a few leading figures in each discipline, established fads and fashions that others are expected to follow. Those same figures then force the status quo by deciding who gets promoted and who gets grants to fund their research. Now this helps to define the boundaries of each discipline. But of course, it is also it also constrains genuine innovation. The real politic of science is a fascinating subject, and it is central in understanding why sci and magic are taboo within the academic world. In 2015, a and also later updated in 2016, Byrne and his colleagues published a meta-analysis of all known reputations conducted up to that point. 990 studies reported by 33 labs in 14 different countries. The overall result was associated with odds against chance of 8 billion to 1. His experiments are in fact independently repeatable. This should have been front page news, but not a peep. The article reporting this result was published in a new and relatively unknown online journal. Rather than where one might expect it, a prominent top tier journal reporting an earth shattering discovery. Why? because no mainstream journal would publish his results. This was the first time in his 50-year career as a well-respected academic psychologist. He could not get an article published in the same journal as he had been regularly published throughout his career. Why not? Because most psychologists do not appreciate how slippery the concept of time is, so they do not believe that precognition can be real. When a scientist or a journal editor declares that something is impossible and it must be stopped, even in the face of supporting experimental evidence, well then we're no longer dealing with science. This is a sign of scientism, the dogmatic belief that a narrow interpretation of today's scientific worldview is infallibly correct. And then enforcing dogma was the purpose of Inquisition, whose motto was essentially eliminate heretical ideas, resistance is futile. Upton Sinclair said, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. There have been many attempts to account for psi using existing scientific models. Those theoretical efforts have yet to persuade the broader scientific community largely because size deeply related to consciousness in some way, and we're still far from understanding what consciousness is, never mind what its capabilities might be. But there are signs that science is headed towards a major shift in a worldview. Now when that transformation is complete, the evidence for Psy and its close association with magic 
will be far more palatable. It is well known that the assumption of realism, causality, and locality do not hold in all circumstances for quantum mechanics. We know that elementary objects, such as electrons and photons, do not have fully determined properties before they are observed. So the common sense understanding of reality is a special case of a more comprehensive worldview. From Einstein's general relativity, we know that if a fixed arrow of time is an illusion, so the everyday experience of causality is a special case of a more comprehensive worldview. And from quantum theory, we also know that spooky action at a distance definitely exists. So the common sense meaning of locality is a special case of a more comprehensive worldview, given that what we thought the fundamental assumptions are not so fundamental after all. Then what is the more comprehensive worldview? Science is exceptionally adept at studying features of the external world, but so far it has just barely scratched the surface at developing ways to study the inner world. Our brains are very good at making snap judgments, quickly forming stereotypes, and then responding to our needs here and now. We rarely need to know what's happening elsewhere, so everyday awareness has become a highly refined form of mental myopia. And this is exactly the opposite of the kind of expansive consciousness required to, to, to roam throughout the galaxy. Peer deep into past, or look into the future, or perform magic. If we cannot escape our past, then we may be running headlong into extinction. Magic is real. Let's deal with it. And there you have it. Real magic. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Leave a comment and do share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it, read, and never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free humanist test on my website and then find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.